Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Nikki Talks podcast. I'm Nikki, and today I am going to be talking with Jonathan Goodman, the man behind the Personal Trainer Development Center, the Online Trainer Academy, and some pretty dope-ass business books. So usually when John speaks, he's speaking about the health and fitness industry, and he's really good at it. But I don't want to talk to him about that today. John has a really interesting life outside of business that he's built to travel, to be with his family abroad. He has spent over 1,300 days living in countries that are not Canada. And I personally find this fascinating. In the online space, we often think of a digital nomad lifestyle being one that we should desire. It is the culmination of everything entrepreneurship and remote working is to be. But what's it actually like to be a digital nomad? How can it affect our lives, our businesses, our families? How do we do it? Can we just eat, pray, love it? Let's ask John. Amazing. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Nikki Talks. This is your host, Nikki. And today I am talking with Jonathan Goodman, the the man, the myth, the legend uh, behind yeah. one of the largest personal training resources out there on the internet and my former employer. Now, friend? I think so. <laughs> Hello, <Friend>? John. <laughs> How about that intro? How about that intro, hey? Just what like a heck little of an intro that was. Pop and circumstance, deviating from the official bio just a little bit. To what express a great intro that was. All these things, and you're so welcome. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Most people who know you know you as the person behind the PTDC Personal Trainer Development Center, Online Trainer Academy, Ignite the Fire, all of these other amazing personal trainer resources. But you also have something that you do in your off time, the stuff that's happening behind the scenes. And that is that you travel the world with some degree of regularity and frequency. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. So if we just take the highlight reel, you've lived abroad in Hawaii, Costa Rica, Thailand. You're currently in Mexico. I believe an eco home in Uruguay was in there somewhere as well. How did this all start? Yeah, it's been, I'm giving you nothing here so far. Yeah, I did. Uh, It started, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's been something that I've grown a lot more passionate about for sure. I've spent, the last nine years, I've spent four to six months abroad every year. Um, And so in total, there's been over 1,300 days where I've been abroad. How did it start? It started on a whim, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'd love to say it was like a master plan. The thing is, like, I started doing this in 2013 was my first year abroad. And it wasn't like digital nomadry wasn't a thing, you know? It wasn't like parents didn't brag to their friends that their kid was an entrepreneur living abroad. Like, that's not... (laughs) I think most parents, you know, even just like five years ago would be like, oh my God, they're so unstable. What are they doing? Right. Like, it wasn't like, you know, the infrastructure wasn't set up the same Mm. way. I mean, there's actually a lot of interesting things of how I built my business because I wanted to live abroad the way that I did that we can get into. But it started by me effectively running away from the world. I had, I was a personal trainer for eight years. I started an online business educating trainers. And 
the business started to do well and I started to become kind of a bit of a jerk. Um, Mm. you know, in retrospect, I just wasn't appreciative of the people around me as much as I should have been. And I didn't like what I was become. And so I ran away from the world. I, and, and I decided that I needed to remove myself from the world that I knew to figure out how I wanted to better live within it. Mm -hmm. And so I ran away to Hawaii to be by myself for six months. I mean, it sounds exotic, but it was actually terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't fun. You know, I spent four days by myself without talking to another human being, right. And the North shore of Oahu and figured my shit out. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, uh, I had split from my girlfriend at the time, Allison, who's now my wife. And then the next year, you know, she was going to go away to do her one big trip to Southeast Asia before she became a doctor. And my mom gave me the best piece of advice anybody's ever given me in my life, which is you better get your ass on a plane tomorrow or you're going to lose that girl. Ooh. And, uh, and I was on a plane two days later and I chased after her to Thailand. And we had a great time. Uh, we went Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam for mm-hmm. uh, about five months. And then we came back. And then the next winter started rolling around. And we kind of, you know, at some point during that trip, we were actually in, in Bali in Abu uh, when I asked her to move in with me when we get back. Mm-hmm. And she was really surprised by that, <laughs> even though she had already had a toothbrush at my place. But <laughs> slowly, piece by piece, it's happening. Slowly, slowly <laughs> under the surface, sliding in and there. Right. And, uh, and so, I don't know. I mean, the next year, we kind of, you know, we were in Toronto. The weather's starting to get bad. And we looked at each other and we're like, we could just go away again. So we want to get away again. So we went to Nosara and Costa Rica and we've kind of just been taking it year by year, right? And so, I, yeah. you know, we had our son, he's four and a half now and he just started coming with us. <laughs> so he's been on like 35 flights now. I mean, he's lived in Mexico, Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, Montenegro. He's visited Serbia. He's lived in Greece. He's visited Spain. Like, <laughs> he's like his his child not, right? passport must just be like amazing oh, yeah. but i think it's so interesting when you're when you're talking about this like what started from a desire to like i just need some space to figure some shit out and then it was chasing after allison who was an amazing human i would chase after right. her if it were me like allison i'm coming too but you know i think when you you mentioned kind of like digital nomads and and entrepreneurs living abroad I think so often people see this type of lifestyle as like the holy grail of living. It's just mm. me and my laptop. Right. It's on the beach. I'm traveling. I'm eat, pray, loving my way to like my next phase. Right. But now it's, I feel like it's kind of becoming outside of the pandemic, something that's like a little bit more people running to wanting to run a lifestyle business, wanting to kind of, do this as like a way of life and not necessarily like an escape or a retreat or a one-off as you've kind of started, you know, been doing this for over 1300 days now and doing it solo to doing it with Allison to doing it with Calvin and also Allison's mom, like has your, your reasoning or like intent behind this evolved at all has changed over time. Well, it's, I mean, looking back, uh, there's always like nice post-rationalizations or, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I really don't know what I was trying to do going forward. Um, I mean, it's interesting to see the progression of like people who live in these types of towns mm-hmm. over the years, because for the longest time, I mean, even now, to be honest, very few people actually run businesses mm. that do this. Most people who are here kind of do what they need to do so that they can be here, right? Mm-hmm. They're life coaches. Mm-hmm. They're 
we joked about it. Like everybody was a life coach four years ago, two years ago, they were, you know, a day trader of stocks last year. And this year they're, you know, crypto day traders. Crypto day traders. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's the same person. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's just kind of a personality that, that this kind of mm-hmm. lifestyle attracts starting to see people who perhaps are a little bit more serious. We also now come to towns where the average age is a little bit older mm-hmm. um, and more mature for sure, mm-hmm. but not many people run businesses. Mm-hmm. Which There's a I, lot of yeah. like tech people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like app developers. There's a hell of a lot of like, you want good videography. You can find it here. Like there's <laughs> everybody's got a good video camera and a drone. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff, but how have I evolved? I mean, if I think, if I think to the biggest thing that I've gained about doing this so much is think about think about somebody who think about your life, right? If you're forced mm-hmm. every three to four months, I mean, for six years, all I owned was a backpack, mm-hmm. and at least twice, usually three, sometimes even four times a year, everything that I owned, I packed up into a backpack and I picked it up and brought it to the next place. Mm-hmm. You are forced to so firmly reaffirm and reestablish what matters to you and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I'm really clear now on the kind of shit that matters to me and what doesn't. Oh, because I, I've been forced yes. to 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 get rid of stuff. I've been forced to mm-hmm. just reassess constantly, constantly, constantly. Right. Mm-hmm. The same with a home, like. We've lived in so many different types of homes and so many different types of towns and so many different types of situations. The result is when it was time for us to buy a home, we knew exactly what type of place and situation we wanted. And the mm. kicker to that is the grass wasn't greener, right? We could, have been, we could have ended up in the exact same home that we're in right now before all of this travel and not mm. enjoyed it and not appreciated it as much because mm-hmm. we wouldn't have experienced what else is there and we wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too, because speaking very generally, when people who run online businesses or work remotely think, I want the laptop lifestyle, I want to be living abroad, I want to be doing all these things. From my understanding, you know, there are can be a multitude of factors that can hold somebody back from doing that can be money. Uh, it can be I have responsibilities, I have kids or parents mm-hmm. that I have to take care of. I'm not completely location independent. I have just too much shit. Like, physically like possessions and things like that. And that's definitely something I've learned from you. Like you were, you were saying like you just bring a backpack and my, and my immediate thought was, and it's full of unbound Merino V neck t-shirts. And that is all that you got. And we just kind of play around with that. But you know, when you added Calvin into the mix, we always think kids have so much stuff. How did that, you know, concept of bags and minimalism when traveling how did that change (laughs) it changed is how it changed um i mean look you're talking to somebody who like i said for six years i lived with a backpack we never checked a bag right traveling the world and then we had a kid and all of a sudden we're checking two suitcases everywhere that we're going and even you know when we decided to finally you know get a house in toronto it was such an interesting experience because it's not a massive house, but it's, you know, a good enough sized house. And we're in a really great community and neighborhood, which is what I wanted. Um, and we are less than a 10 minute walk from my parents, which is also what I wanted. Again, like what is really important to me? I've realized that I don't want to live in a big house. I don't want to have acres of land, right? I want to be in a tight knit community that supports one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was interesting when we got the house because, 
you know, we walked in and uh, we walked in straight from the airport, mm-hmm. right? We, we closed on a house. We were out in the middle of the ocean on the Marietta's Islands in Mexico with no cell phone reception. <laughs> and then when we got back, we're like, well, we got the house. Uh, and we, we walked in, you know, off of the airplane and we had our nanny with us that we brought back from Mexico for a couple months. And we put a, I put my backpack down in the corner. I hung up my three black V-neck T-shirts. And I looked around and I'm like, guess we got to buy a fork. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a couch and like a towel or something it's so interesting though so like you mentioned that you closed on this while you were away on an island with no technology i feel like that's a theme for you because which book was it that you managed it going out from that eco home in uruguay yeah it was um i did two books uh ignite the fire the the basically the the revised edition and then a personal mm-hmm. trainer pocket book yeah, I mean, I released both of those from an off-the-grid eco-home in Uruguay. And it was interesting. Like, the the internet basically crapped out by about 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And so I did a podcast tour where I did, like, 30 or 40 podcasts. And I had to do them all in the middle of the night because the internet was so crappy during the day mm-hmm. that I couldn't do it. And even sending uh, – I didn't see – I didn't hold my own books until a month and a half after they came out because I couldn't – I mean, where I, I lived, there. there was no mail. Like, yeah. the, like addresses in Uruguay and, and Costa Rica is the same way. It's, it's like a lot of the time their own addresses, the addresses are basically like proximity. Like and that's <laughs> so, a house two places down from the rock that's near the beach. Literally, it would be like, <laughs> it would be like 150 meters east of the post office. Literally, I'm going to Costa like, like Rica. Uh, at the time of this recording, I'm going to Costa Rica in two days uh, for a few days mm-hmm. with some friends and a little bit of a work trip. Literally, that's the address of one of my hotels. It's 155 meters west of this. And I was like, hmm, yeah. interesting. So that's the address. So, so yeah. it did get there. So, you know, the, the books to proof got sent to my mom and dad, and who were living in Arizona uh, for the winter. And I would proof the books over Skype with them. <laughs> And then, um, and then, yeah, the books, I mean, this is the, this is the really cool thing. So what I did is I had an assistant in Savannah, Georgia, Courtney, who was sending out all of the, all of the complimentary, like sample copies to colleagues. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's really important to write personal notes with each book. Mm-hmm. I've, so shared, wrote, I've shared this method of yours with other people going, this is how you do it. <laughs> great. So I wrote, you know, a hundred plus letters. I signed them all by pen. And I wrote it. Part of part of what I do is I put a tag in the page of the book that I think specifically they'll like. I make mention of it in the letter, and then I write their name on a sticky and write an arrow down. And so I sent that package of those letters with the sticky notes mm-hmm. in a block to my assistant from Uruguay. We were living in, in Montevideo at the time at Positos, and so we could there was a post office. Mm-hmm. The most expensive way, the most reliable <laughs> way we could send this thing. Right, only tracked shipping up to the central post office in Montevideo. So I had and no idea no what these things were. Right, and this is like hours upon hours upon hours, and and you know weeks passed, didn't arrive, mm-hmm. didn't arrive. The book launch date passes, didn't arrive to her, didn't arrive to her. Finally, twenty nine days it takes to get to her. Oh my gosh! She you know puts all of these packages together and, and mails mm-hmm. them out to all of our colleagues and um and the books did pretty well we sold i can't remember what the number was we sold something like 1800 copies or something in mm-hmm. the first month of those books right and um and they've, they've continued to sell since then but the first time that i ever held it was 
in Salvador, Brazil. <laughs> and it was in a hostel where my brother and his husband met Allison and I. And my brother came from Vancouver and brought a copy of my books. A month and a half after they had come out was the first time I held him. He gave me a copy of the books. And then we set out on a five-day trek in the Chapada de Mancia National Park in Brazil the day after that. You're like, that's, here's a the kind of shit that you can right. do, right? Okay. Fun. Like, I, I love that story so much. And honestly, I, I do right. tell it often to people I know writing a book going, you want to hear a story, you need to know this. But some of what you said just gave me hives. And it's the idea of internet being not being consistent. And again, when we think of like right. the new way of doing business, especially now, still during a pandemic, people working remotely, internet access is kind of one of those things that we take for granted. So with you spending so much time like living abroad where it's not North America, there's different ideas or uh, availability of what I deem an essential service, which is like one gigabyte upload, download speed internet. How has that affected how you've Op- how you've built your business, how you operate your business, and how you run it day to day. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really affect me too much now because most places that you go to now have really fast internet. Even, I mean, this is the fourth year that this is the fourth winter to will that we've come to this town in Mexico. It's called mm-hmm. Sailita. It's forty five minutes up the coast in in of Puerto Vallarta on the Pacific side. And this year, fiber optic internet got installed. And so it's super reliable. Yeah. The last three years was a struggle, right? Mm-hmm. When I first lived, so that, that year that I chased after Allison, we lived on Koh Yang in Thailand for mm-hmm. many months. And that was when I really formed my business, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, internet on Koh Yang was really shit. Mm-hmm. Like, we lived in a cave around the bay, only accessible by boat for three months, while she worked as a healer at this, like, weird sanctuary place Mm -hmm. like legitimately a cave and um there was just no way i was going to get fast internet right or anything that i'd be able to do any video or audio so i made the decision that this is the kind of life that i wanted to live i wanted to be able to adventure to these places i didn't want Mm -hmm. to be held back by the business and so i made the decision that i was going to build a platform purely on text and writing Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to do video and audio, not because I didn't think that there was opportunity with video and audio. Mm-hmm. But at that point, this was 2014, it would have limited my ability to explore the world way more than I wanted. And to this day, our platform is predominantly written. Mm-hmm. And um, and what was interesting was that three years later, we went back to the same island, Copenhagen, because I, you know, my business started to do you know reasonably well um, when we were there. Copenhagen the first time but when we went back three years later like I was doing good you know you were doing and I'm good. Like, things were going well and I'm like I'm a ball out on this <laughs> island man because <laughs> like 2,500 bucks US we get this like 2,000 square foot suite with 180 degree all glass panoramic view of the sunset up above the hill like we I mean Holy shit. So we I think I actually remember the photos from that place and going, damn. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and we brought my mother-in-law. Yeah. Right? And this was when Allison was pregnant, actually, with Calvin. And we brought my mother-in-law. And, and you know, for a whole bunch of reasons, it was actually tough for Allison because it was so isolating that mm-hmm. we were up there. It was beautiful, but it was isolating. It was like a stuck-in-paradise type thing. But, um, but fiber, in those three years, fiber-optic internet had been installed on the island. Mm-hmm. And there were co-work spaces everywhere now. Mm-hmm. 
that's wow. how quick this stuff has has picked up, so right? Quick. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you I think can like, do it now. You could do it now pretty easily. Yeah, like it's like you kind of built the system where again you weren't. Re- it wasn't yeah. entirely reliant on super high speed. You're just showing up and. Yeah. All right, here are your fun facts for this episode. One of the earliest known uses of the term digital nomad is actually from 1997 in a book called, you guessed it, Digital Nomad, written by Tsugio Makimoto and David Manners. The book highlights how modern technology and the continued advancement of it, combined with the human desire to travel, will allow society to exist on the move like it did once before. One of the first digital nomads was a man in 1983 named Steve Roberts, who rode on a computerized recumbent bicycle featured in Popular Computing magazine. In 1985, a satellite system called Motosat was established, and this is what allowed for greater access to the internet. The advancements that came from this, Wi-Fi internet, internet-enabled laptops, so that we all can live that beautiful laptop lifestyle. Digital Nomad became popular with brand names in 2009. National Geographic started the Digital Nomad blog, and Dell Computers launched a short-lived website called Digital Nomads. But, like, what about how you communicate with your team? Because time zones is another thing that I... Time zones is a real thing. Yeah, I mean... And I'll say there are still places in the world that are more difficult. We we were I was looking at different places to go to this year. We thought about going to Havana, going to Cuba, mm-hmm. and um and I and I looked into it, and it's 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 not really a digital nomad place. Like mm-hmm. it's more difficult, right, for internet. Mm-hmm. So there's still places where it's harder. Um, time zones. That's why I like South and Central America. Mm-hmm. It's just easier for time just zones. A bit I mean, our team is East Coast, West Coast, Canada, and the U.S. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the folks on our team that I talk to. We have some coaches all over the world because we have customers all over the world. But the time zones are East Coast, West Coast, yeah. and so, so ultimately you're kind of staying Central within America, North America. Mm-hmm. You're always, you know, a max three hour time change away. Mm-hmm. I kind of did like Argentina and Uruguay mm-hmm. simply because you know it was five or six hours, which isn't crazy. Like Asia is mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's like, like Asia you know, and Hawaii, I mean, ten to fourteen. Like, yeah. Yeah, like I was waking up at like two in the morning, you know, popping no. half a caffeine pill and doing a phone call, right? Like, no, I mean, hell no. <laughs> no. But Argentina and Uruguay were, were good because you, you're ahead of people. And so I was able to wake up at a regular time and get three or four hours of really good uninterrupted work mm-hmm. before anybody else woke up. Mm-hmm. And then by the time that they woke up, I could do everything that I needed to do with, with the team or with podcasts mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that worked pretty good. But yeah, and then you're kind of done by like your, maybe your middle of day for your time zone early day. And then you could go spend time with Calvin, Allison, doing all these other things. I, you mentioned something earlier that I thought was really important and something I often think about. And it's this concept of community. You know, you've been coming back to Sayulita now for a few years. You're finding mm-hmm. these local communities. Uh, I know you you always find like a local gym so you can go and work out there. How has it been kind of forming these communities abroad? Like how do you find your people, your places so that you don't feel isolated, alone, bored, all of those things? Right. Go back to similar places for sure. Um, it helps a lot when you have a kid, helps a lot. 
so Calvin's in a little school in the jungle right now called Casita Alegrije, and it's all in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you get to know the other parents of the kids in the school, and they build the friend group, even at the playground. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a little playground here made all of, like, recycled materials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you get chatting with other parents, and then you exchange phone numbers, and then mm-hmm. you, you know, they come over and swim and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We also, where we stay, we look for places that encourage community. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting, like, our own house with our own pool with a mm-hmm. big gate and fence and stuff like that, yeah. we live in, we live in a community. There's, mm-hmm. there's 22 units, I think, here. Mm-hmm. Our building has four units, and there's three families, including us, with kids around the same age in our building. Our doors are just open. The kids run. <laughs> it's like dorm rooms in university, just like come hang it out. Is. So it kind of self-selects for that, right? Whereas mm-hmm. we have friends who have come to Sayulita where they're like, "Yeah, I didn't see what the big deal was." It's like, "Yeah, it's because you lived in your own house up the mm-hmm. hill, yeah, right, mm-hmm. by yourself, and you didn't know anybody. You come here." And so we look for places like this when we go mm-hmm. somewhere. We look for places that have a central lounge area with a pool mm-hmm. that people hang out in mm-hmm. and, um, you know, more family-oriented because that's what we're into. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it's really easy to get to know people because you're just lounging yeah. around the pool. And then there's charcoal barbecues. And so you do a barbecue at night and you invite other people and they're quite happy to – we also have found – and this is just like a general, not just community abroad, but just basically everything. People always want to connect, mm-hmm. but they never want to take the initiative. Or they sure. just don't get around to taking the initiative. Mm-hmm. Allison and I naturally are just really good at taking the initiative. Mm-hmm. And so we're wherever we go, we just kind of fall into the role of being connectors. Mm-hmm. You're just right. like the, you're we, like that that nexus that people are like, oh, fun time. All you got to do, do is say we are doing this cool thing at this time. If you want to join, show up. I feel like I've don't been making friends people. wrong my entire life. Then. <laughs> don't, like, <laughs> don't like ask people like, oh, you know, we should do something. Yeah, we should mm-hmm. do something. Okay, we should do something. Oh, when are you free? Or when are you free? Nah, none of that shit. Mm-hmm. We are going to the water park on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We are leaving at ten a.m. Who wants to come? <laughs> Who wants to come? I, it's, I think it's so funny. But just, I think John Mulaney has a joke about that. You know, when you when you're an adult and you start kind of like socializing. Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Do you want to hang out? Yeah, of course. We'll get coffee. Cool. Three months from never. Like you're right. just not making that connection. Allison, uh, Allison um, rents a cottage for her girlfriends and their families every summer when we get back from our like winter travels because mm-hmm. she misses them. Right, And the first year she tried to do what everybody tries to do, which is try to find a time that works for everybody. And nobody was committal. Yeah. And so she instead, because all these places were getting booked up, right? So instead, she just booked a place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just booked it. We're going. And she said, I've booked this this weekend. There's three <laughs> bedrooms. First come, first serve. All of a sudden, everybody who is non-committal now is coming. Was like right? raising their hand saying, me! 100%. You just got to, you got to take the initiative. You've got to, so like, you know, to answer your question of, of how to, how to make mm-hmm. these things happen. I mean, the answer is you just do cool shit and lead the way and invite other people to do cool shit with you. That's how you build a community. Ooh, I like that. How have you, what has been the best way you found over the years to like find that place? Again, you've been to Sayulita now a few times, but 
you know, how do you find your places? How do you find the cities? How do you like vet or check out or figure out where you want to go? There's a couple people who I trust their advice. Mm -hmm. Over the years, I've gotten to know people who seem to share the same types of values and interests with me. And if they recommend going to a place, I just blindly go there. <laughs> Once more, because, under the breach. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, yo, you should really check out Uruguay. Okay. Uh, yeah, man, if you're the type of guy who likes to, like, sip a coffee with his laptop on his lap and, like, you know, open up your, your screen door to, like, this expansive beach, like, Uruguay is perfect. I've already booked my ticket, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, th- there's a few things that go into it. One is... When you do a bunch of things and they either work out or they don't work out, you begin very quickly to gain a lot of confidence that it's always going to be okay mm-hmm. and you're always going to be able to figure it out. I think about this a lot with courage. You know, like some people maybe are born with more courage than others, but the reality of it is courage forms when you fail mm-hmm. because failure is almost never as bad as we imagine it might be before we try. And so, if you fail a lot, you gain a lot of courage because you realize that there are very few absolute failures. Mm -hmm. What most often happens is that you identify a new way of doing something that you never could have possibly begun to imagine if you had never tried it. Mm -hmm. And so, over time, the more you try, the more you fail, and the more confidence you gain that you're going to figure it out. Allison and I are fairly confident that you could place us anywhere in the world, just about anywhere in the world, and we'd make it work mm-hmm. and we'd have a good time. Because we've just been so many different places. Yeah. So I don't even look. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even look what's there before we go. I don't, Mm-hmm. I never look like if we're going to like a tourist attraction or whatever, I never look at the postcard. I never Google it. And it's kind of funny because oftentimes I don't even know what the tourist attraction is supposed to be. Like, and I'll be, looking, <laughs> you know, I'll be looking in the opposite direction. Like, this is amazing. People are like, it's right up behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to Paris and like, look at this fountain. You're like, John, the Eiffel Tower is right here. But like, but the fountain. <laughs> 100%. 100%. But think about how much. I think about how much is ruined. Like, it's funny to talk about it, but think about how much is ruined because you know how things are supposed to look and are supposed mm. to be, and so you're not surprised and amazed by them. Mm. I have no idea what I'm walking into most of the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'm going to walk in with confidence. It'll be great. But I know it's going to be fine, yeah. right? Like, how bad could it be? I mean, you know, I'm not going to be stupid. I don't go out at night and go drinking. Like, I'm in bed at 9.30 no matter where I go. So, like, I'm going to be safe. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it, it, just it's approaching everything with a sense of curiosity and I can handle whatever comes at me. It's fine. We're For fine. Sure. Everything's and don't fine. ruin stuff. Like, keep the special things special. Keep the surprise as a surprise. Like, don't like ruin shit. If I'm sitting at a dinner table and we're going to go somewhere the next day and people start Googling what it looks like, I'm like, turn that shit off. Oh, like, we're going there anyway. Yeah. We're going to find out tomorrow. tomorrow. Why are you looking at it on a tiny screen that's never going to do it justice, you know? Oh, I 
love this, but this is also giving me just such massive anxiety because I am one of those people that's like, I need to know what it looks like. Again, like, as I said, I'm leaving for Costa Rica in a few days for like a work mastermind trip. And I'm like, I don't know the address. I don't know what the place looks like. I don't know what the agenda is. And I'm freaking out just a little bit because I'm like, I don't know how to, uh, and I'm just like, just handle it. Just calm down. It'll be fine. They're paying for everything. Just, you just need to show up. (laughs) I have two. I have two questions. Yeah. Um, the first is, what do you do for work now? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, we don't talk enough. <laughs> no, we don't. I'm serious though. What do you What do you do? Uh, outside of producing this podcast, um, operational consulting. So basically, helping people with really good ideas, make sure their ideas actually happen. Okay, that's a that's a good that's a good pitch. There you go. So if anybody wants operational consulting. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Um, I take it back. That's a terrible pitch. I know. Hi, I'm an like literally nobody just woke up this morning. And was like, fuck, you know, things are not the way that I wish that they were. Man, I really think that I need. <laughs> this some is why you're the. This is why you're the writer, John, and I'm the doer. I am shit at marketing. <laughs> I just come in and I do cool shit with cool people, and we have fun, and it works. That's if it. Only. If only, if only I had some operational consulting. <laughs> Thank you. I know. It's really a commodity. I feel like everybody is Googling using those exact search terms. <laughs> yeah, you're really, you're really winning that keyword for four monthly four monthly searches. Thank you. Uh, uh, what's that? <laughs> Where are you going to Costa Rica? Um, we're flying into San Jose. I think it's called Yaco. It's near Playa Hermosa, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm getting picked up at the airport. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I mean, there's, there's much better places to go, but that's cool. You're having I don't a good know. Time. Yeah. So, see, that's me when I travel because I'm already looking at things like obviously traveling with the pandemic. There's a lot of paperwork that had to be done for both the U.S. and Costa Rica for me to even go. Yeah, Costa Rica is super strict, aren't they? Uh, vaccination records. And you have to carry additional COVID-specific insurance, but they don't need P- PCR tests or anything like that. So yeah. compared to the U.S. and Canada, yeah, okay. it's actually a little bit easier. Well, but U.S. I mean, is easy. U.S. you don't need anything. Um, <laughs> Canada is tough. We are US very tough. Nothing. But yeah, US you know, nothing. when I think about traveling like this, you know, especially being a business owner, I start thinking about things like health insurance. I start thinking about things like taxes, visas, permits, and things like that. How do you kind of approach that part of it? I have a really responsible wife. There you go. Just re- find yourself an Allison and never have to worry about the paperwork. No, that's not true. I do. I do most of the planning in, yeah. in all in all seriousness. Most credit cards come with travel medical, mm-hmm. um, uh, so you know it's something to look into. We have we've extended healthcare for our staff, and mm-hmm. it comes with travel medical, and also mm-hmm. there's COVID um, mm-hmm. coverage with that. So that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I if it's a complicated trip. There's actually a concierge service that I've used a few times. It's like I went to Greenland, you know, two months back. I know. You went with a friend of mine, Laura. (laughs) I did. That's right. It was a really complicated trip, Mm -hmm. right? And um, and even coming to Mexico, I mean, I'm bringing along a four-and-a-half-year-old. I'm bringing along a grandmother. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things. For example, you're flying through the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Canada doesn't require a COVID test unless you're over five years old. Mm -hmm. But the United States requires one if you're two years old. Mm. And so if you fly through the United States, you need an antigen test to come home Yep. for your four and a half year old, but mm-hmm. not a PCR, right? Mm-hmm. 
You only need the PSEO for so like stuff like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of and, and it changes all the time. And there's yeah. paperwork you have to fill out that is changing mm-hmm. like it seems like weekly with with mm-hmm. particularly COVID travel. Yeah. And so there's a consultant that I worked with um, twice now for these trips. His name's uh, Larry Nealon, and he's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, he helps book the flights, and even down to he knows which airlines have been changing their flights a lot during COVID mm-hmm. and which haven't. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he'll book trips and stuff like that, not just on like the best price, but, you know, which trips are probably going to stay the same. Yeah. Um, you know, which gates. So, example, if you've got a layover in a big airport like Dallas or Houston mm-hmm. or whatever it is, which, you know, OK, this flight almost always gets into this gate. This mm-hmm. flight almost always leaves from, from this gate. gate. They're closer. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. be able to make this no problem. It's close. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have to run, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you land, he actually sends me an annotated drawing of where I landed and where I need to go. He sounds like my father. My father still does this when I travel. As soon as I turn on my phone when I get on the ground, he goes, Nikki, your flight is departing from gate this. It's just down the terminal. I'm like, thanks, dad. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly what he does. And he sends a, you know, he sends a very detailed email before the flight takes off with all of the different requirements with links to the forms to fill. And um, even down to, okay, you're on this kind of an airplane for this Mm -hmm. leg of the flight. Here's the entertainment options, mm-hmm. right? Oh my you know, gosh. you need to download this app in order to get the movies on this one, like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot because I don't even need to think about it. If the flights change, mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, he's on it. He gets the notifications. And even when we were coming back from Greenland, we were in, um, we, we had flown, we had gone from uh, Alulamek to Alulasat. And then we flew to uh, Kangerlussek, <laughs> and uh, we had a flight from Kangerlussek to Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And the flight we got delayed in Kangerlussek. Mm-hmm. And he was messaging us and saying, "Okay, if you miss this flight, if you miss your connecting flight in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. here are the options." Wow. Right. And then he gets on the phone and he books them. He pretends to be you, <laughs> and he gets on the phone and changes them and books them for you. Oh, so super, super helpful to have someone who kind of knows the ins and outs of the, the, of the journey. Okay. Yeah. So that helps a lot. I mean, there's like, how do you manage all this stuff? Again, I'll figure it out Mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, I, I make sure the number one thing that I make sure to do is I organize ground transport Mm -hmm. before I get anywhere, particularly if I'm not familiar with the place, Mm -hmm. even if I'm going to get hosed on it, Mm -hmm. the end of a trip. I want somebody sitting there with a sign driving me to where I'm going. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to dick around with taxis yeah. or, you know, anything like that in a foreign country. Like, I want to get to where I'm going and put my head down because I know once I once I get there, I can figure you it out. You can settle out. and kind of just like see what's yeah. up. Yeah. So so ground transport. Big one. When, big you know, so you're currently still traveling. You're in Mexico right now. You uh-huh. bought the house in Toronto. Calvin's mm-hmm. growing. Another mm-hmm. one's coming. What is the future of this lifestyle for you? Do you no, have an know. idea of what it could look like? Or are you just going to like let the surprises be surprises? Yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out when, <laughs> when I have to figure it out. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, probably when, you know, we'll probably have one more good year left before Calvin's in grade one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, we'll decide, you know, I think it'll have a lot to do with Calvin's learning style. It'll have a lot to do with his friend base in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we're fortunate that we have options, mm-hmm. right? Like we have great friends living in our house. We don't rent out our house. We're just, you know, we're happy for friends to use it. So we have great friends living in our house looking after it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can afford to, but it's, it's interesting. I say we can afford to like live here and, and float our mortgage at home. But the reality of it is I did a back of the napkin calculation. Yeah. It's not exact, but the cost of a mortgage in Toronto plus renting a place here, plus renting a golf cart here. Got to have a golf cart. Our total amount of money that we spend in the winters mm-hmm. is actually about the same as if we were to stay in Toronto. Stay in Toronto. Because the cost of living in Toronto is so high. It's exorbitant. <laughs> and so, you know, my lunch today, right, mm-hmm. three tacos, it was 45 pesos, that's two and a half bucks. You can't get lunch in Toronto for less than $25. You can't get an espresso shot for less than five. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. And so the cost of living here is so much less that it actually is about break even. Mm-hmm. when you consider all the extra expenses. And if we rented out our house at home, we'd be ahead. You'd be ahead. Right? So, you know, when a lot of people are thinking about their finances, they don't consider cost of living. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, if they did, they'd realize that they could actually make money by living abroad for the winters a lot of the time. Ooh, something to think about. Something to mm-hmm. think about. I say this as there's snow on the ground outside. All right. Yeah, right? So to wrap up, we are going to ask you, I say we, the royal we, we, for I am the queen of this space. (laughs) I'm going to ask you some of our wrap up questions. Number one. Oh, that's a good name. You're so good at names of things. I know, right? I'm clearly a born, I am a born marketer. (laughs) You're amazing. You're an operational consultant. Thank you. You should just do my, (laughs) you you should just go do my PR and my content, John. I feel like you would really be great at this. I feel like people listening to this probably think I'm a joke and they don't realize just how how much history we have I'm just giving you we have so much it's history great. like drag him drag him in the comments yes. um, no. all right number one if you were going to a dinner party and you got to choose the topic of conversation for the entire night what are you choosing i find the psychology of money and wealth management fascinating Ooh. and get- so <laughs> i would choose that because it's there's so much absolute idiotic nonsense about people trying to get rich mm-hmm. these days, particularly with, you know, I mean, crypto, but like just everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and the reality of it is the power of compounding is everything. Mm-hmm. And it goes into everything you do. Like if you think about mm-hmm. business development, if you think about platform development, if you think about, fitness, if you think about wealth management, it's actually all the same principles and philosophies that really matter. Mm-hmm. And the pitfalls that people fall into, the get ripped quick, the get rich quick, all mm-hmm. of those things are actually kind of the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the most important thing to me is you've got to build your personal operating philosophy around these things. Mm. And when you do that, it will become very obvious who you listen to and who you don't listen to. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that somebody who day trades and flips NFTs is necessarily wrong or stupid. It's just a matter of whether that information is right for you or not. Mm. Right. And the importance of understanding what might be good information, but not the right information for you, Mm -hmm. I think is really valuable to this. Ooh, I love that. 
Okay, here's the next question. We'll see if this if this grows on that. If uh, I were to give you a microphone and a stage right now to give a five-minute talk about something not related to your day job, what would it be? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I, I'm you could just that continue that back. money talk, and like I would listen to that. The money talk, I mean, I think, you know, I like the power of compounding for sure. Mm-hmm. I think um, I really like building... Um, mental models and lattice mm-hmm. works and structures and rules around productivity and time mm-hmm. management. Um, I just, I, you know, time management is not about an app, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about writing lists. It's mm-hmm. about building a personal operating. Mm-hmm. And don't you have a course or a book coming out on time management? Coming out on with one. Yeah. We have some people going through the beta version of it Ooh. now, but, but that's, that's, that's the misconception that I'm trying to break down. Like you don't need another app. You don't need a list right Mm -hmm. technology and and apps and automations Mm -hmm. are only as good as the person using them so true. you know a lot of people try to become more efficient by adding things and not subtracting things Mm -hmm. and uh and that to me is just ass backwards Ooh, so powerful so i think i could talk about that pretty good in five minutes there you go all right last question what was the last information rabbit hole you went down youtube wikipedia reddit your own research what new thing did you go deep on Sure. I went super, super deep at the beginning of this year into artificial intelligence and Ooh. its impact on redefining job roles. Ooh. Okay. When you write, when you write the book or the blog or the whatever on that, I would like to read that. Yeah. I'll probably do a white paper on how it's going to affect the fitness industry at some point in the next year. Ooh. Because um, be it's, 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 it's fundamentally going to change everything. I mean, what... <sighs> What personal trainers and fitness professionals define themselves and think that's important in their jobs is completely irrelevant because computers already do it better than them. Like a computer can build a better workout program than 98% of personal trainers, mm-hmm. right? But what will happen in the coming years is the ability of a trainer to be empathetic, to coach, to motivational interview, to, to allow people to work through troubles in their lives um, is, is never going to be greater. Basically, mm-hmm. technology amplifies humans. It doesn't replace humans. And it does that by replacing all of the things that humans shouldn't have been doing in the first place and allowing them to show up in greater capacity where they should. And so yeah. I went super deep into that uh, beginning of the year, and I'll probably put some together at some point on it. Ooh, damn. All right. And on that note, if people want to connect with you, find you, chat with you, hang out with you, learn more about you, where can they go? Oh, look at that question. That was so well asked. Uh, <laughs> I can ask questions. I just can't name things, John. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, it's at it's Coach Goodman on Instagram. And it's, that's the best spot. Lovely. John, thank you so much. I'm so happy to you talk with it. you, chat with you, <laughs> hang out with you, even though you drag me for filth. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Nikki Talks podcast. We'll be back next week with another deep dive rabbit hole experience into something new. In the meantime, you can get me on Instagram at Nikki underscore McKnight, M-O-C, that's N-I-K-K-I underscore M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-O-C, or find my website at McKnightOC.com. 